Okay, good morning and welcome. My name is Darren. I'm the pastor here, and I want to welcome all of you, especially the kids with us. Kids, great to have you. Uh, We are in our first Sunday of the month. We invite you kids to be with us to hear the sermon. And I want to tell you something, kids. I am going to invite you to do something you're normally not allowed to do, and that is to talk. But there's one rule about it. Who knows what that rule is? Yes, young men. You have to listen, that's right, because I'm going to invite you to talk when I ask you questions. But when I'm not asking you questions, I want to encourage you and ask you to listen. And you can ask a parent very quietly if you have a question about uh, something I'm asking you to do. Uh, but we're here, and you know, as, uh, as Chrissy, Miss Chrissy was up there earlier, she was asking us this question, who are you? Right? Do you guys enjoy thinking about that? Who are you? Well... Part of how we answer that question is we reacquaint ourselves with these very, very, very old stories, okay? All right, so kids, I'm going to read this passage, and it's a little bit long, but I'm going to read it because I believe that you need to hear these stories. You need to know where we come from, and it's the same with adults, too. I wonder how many of you adults have read the Exodus in the last year or so, or ever, perhaps. Well, I'm going to read it for you here, uh, printed on page three in your bulletin, and then I'm going to invite you all to respond as directed below. So would you all, kids and adults, listen now with open ears as I read from this, the book that we love. This picks up in the middle of Moses having seen a burning bush and hearing from the Lord, and this is what it says. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered through all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the afflictions of Egypt 
to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know what the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, that they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who made man's mouth? Who made him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, therefore, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. Take your staff, and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good job listening to that. Let me pray for us. Let's pray together. O oh Lord, our God, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, we come to this time and we sit under these words, and as we encounter this fire in the wilderness so many years ago, Lord, I recognize that as we sit under these words, 
as we encounter you, we do so coming from all sorts of different places. Some of us come here and our lives are filled with blessing. We are in a season of sunshine and abundance, and yet others of us come here and our lives are a complete train wreck. Lord, all we know is uh, discouragement and sadness, some of us even despair. And Lord, I recognize also that some of us come here and we believe in you and we have believed in you since we were small children. And others of us come in here and we're not sure what we believe. We're not sure if you're real, if these words are true, if, if these events happened, and if the next 20 minutes uh, will be of any value to the things that are weighing us down, the thoughts occupying our minds, keeping us awake at night. Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in, whether we come here uh, in celebration or sadness, whether we come here in faith or with many doubts, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, we ultimately come the same. That is, that we have an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, and to be changed by you. And I pray that you would show us how you have addressed this need in the person of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. So good to be with you. Uh, we are in our uh, summer, spring, summer sermon series that we're calling With a Mighty Hand, becoming reacquainted with the power of God. And for some of you, for some of us here today, we could probably strip the prefix re, right? Some of you are here today and you're saying, becoming reacquainted with the power of God. I don't, I've never experienced God's power. I don't know if it's even real, right? And that's fair. For some of you, we could drop the prefix re and say, perhaps this time in the Scripture is about you actually experiencing and becoming acquainted with the power of God for the first time. But I know that there are many of us here today who have been Christians for a long time, who have incredible stories to tell. I've heard your stories, some of you. But time has gone by, and you have forgotten who God is and your experience of his power seems a long way off. If you're here this morning, I want to encourage you to be honest about that with yourself, right? I have had those seasons myself, right? And in fact, the scripture presents those seasons as almost normal for every person who lives, okay? That's, what, that's what's happening here in the book of Exodus, uh, and we see it actually uh, come out in particularly strong in this passage. You see, uh, God appears to Moses in this burning bush, in this fire that doesn't seem to want to go out, and he asks him to do something that Moses is convinced is beyond his own abilities, and then God begins to share with Moses who he is, okay? God begins to share what we might say his essence is. Anyone know that word? Any kid know this word essence, Right? Any adult know this word, essence? <laughs> Where's our philosophers? Okay, so this idea is, who is God truly at his being? What, who is God truly? And I wonder, can any of the kids answer this for me? Who is God? Does anyone know? And if someone, if a friend at school said to you, who is this God you're, you talk about? Yes, young man. Young man, who, what would you say? A spirit? Very good. That's right. God is a spirit. All right. Any other kids here? All right. Yes, young man. 
Yes, God is, God is eternal and unchangeable. Very good. I'm starting to notice a theme here. What, what about you? Wow. This, you guys need to hear this. Why don't you come on up here, young lady? Share with us here. And we actually have this on the screen, so I, let's, let's do this together. What is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Very good. Now, did you, did you make that up? No. No. That, was, that comes from, thank you so much, good job. That comes from uh, what's called the Westminster Assembly, which is actually when our church's doctrinal standards were created back in the 1600s. Uh, and how would you like to be the person to write this? The room, the story goes that the, in the room, they were trying to begin to make progress on this question, what is God? And they were just completely overwhelmed with where to even start with the eternal one. And so they prayed, and uh, this person prayed, I believe it was a young man, and prayed this to say, God, you are a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and you're being wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And in the room, they said, we believe we have our answer, right? So this is a hard question, and Moses, uh, Moses asks something similar um, as he interacts with this strange fire, with this bush that doesn't want to seem to be consumed, God speaks to him, and Moses says, well, if I'm going to go to your people in Israel, what is your name? Who do I tell them this God is? And this is how God answers them. He says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent me. Now, as we think about this, this brings up, all, this is a one commentator said that this is the most discussed passage in all of the Old Testament. The, these sentences right here. This is the most commented on section in the entire Old Testament. It makes sense because this is the very name of God getting at his essence. And God says to Moses, there's a debate over whether God is actually saying his name is I am, or he's saying, you know, you want, you want my name? Well, I am who I am. This is my essence. Now, it's, as we think about why would God answer this way, it raises all these questions and it raises all these points that I think are so pastorally huge to think about. You see, one of the, uh, one of the objections that I often hear as a pastor or hear as a Christian talking to uh, even some of you perhaps who are here and you're not sure if you believe this stuff, as I go out and I talk to various people and the community about why they do not believe in God, one of the things they say is that, you know, I feel like science has disproved God, right? Because God says that, you know, all these miracles can happen, that the Nile could turn to blood, that all these things could happen, and I just don't see it. So science has disproved God, right? But see, as we consider who God is, God says, my very essence my very essence is that I am, that I do not derive my being from any other thing, right? Every other created thing derives its being from something, but God says, I do not. And one, one apologist said, if God is who he is, then everything that is, even the absence of miracles today, that all of those things prove God, 
Because God is the God who decides when the water turns to blood and when it does not. And everything in the world proves God. Because if you were to say, God must be proved by this or that, by this miracle, by this experience, then what you're saying is God is deriving who he is from events that are outside of himself. And what God wants you to know this morning is that that is simply not the case, that he is who he is. Uh, Paul quotes a philosopher in the book of Acts where he says this, he says, in God we live and we move and we have our being. And friends, as we come to this uh, passage and we think about, you know, this is stretching our minds a little bit, what do we make of this? Friends, what this passage sets up for us this morning is that God is not who you want him to be, okay? I just want to, I want to be really clear about that right now. God is not who you want him to be, right? As I, as I get around and I talk about what the Bible teaches about this issue or that issue, I can't tell you how common it is for an objection to come to me and say, well, I, I would really be interested in Christianity, but then there's this teaching, right? And you can pick what it is. It depends on your culture, whatever it is you object to. I don't like how the Bible talks about sexual ethics, or I don't like how the Bible talks about money, or I don't like the war that happened in the Old Testament. All these things I don't like. And friends, I want to tell you, regardless of where you sit on the spectrum, you cannot worship a God whose essence comes from you, right? And I cannot tell you how common that is, even in this room, even in my own soul. See, God, when he, uh, following the Exodus, he will share what's called his Ten Commandments. And the second commandment says, do not make for yourself any graven image, right? And what happens is, is that we often try to create a God that's like the way we want him to be. But God starts off his answer to Moses and says, you can't do that, right? You cannot do that because I am who I am. And this is really important and really helpful because this is what happens. I've noticed this. When you, when you refuse to let God be who he is in the scriptures and you decide to change, to tweak a little bit about him because you think it's more palatable, you know what suffers? Your worship. You can't worship a God that you create. It's like, you know, Chrissy created some great things here. You know, I've seen uh, you all create some incredible things, but at the end of the day, those are things that you have made, and they can't save you. They can't deliver you from crisis. They can't intervene in the moments in your life where you are absolutely desperate. Only the unseen, all-powerful, almighty, eternal, unchangeable, God can do that. And so that's how God begins his answer to Moses. He says, I am who I am. It's interesting, the philosopher Heraclitus said, some of you might be familiar with this teaching, he said, you can't step into the same river twice. I don't know if you have, any of you have heard this, right? Because if you step into this, if you step into the Skoog, how many of you secretly enjoy the Skoogle River? Okay, <laughs> I know, it, I, I do. Um, there, there's a lot of jokes about, you know, <laughs> whether you'll survive the Skoogle River or not. But they've really fixed it. It's a wonderful place to uh, enjoy at this time. But you can't step into the same Skoogle River twice, right? Because if you put one foot in it, and then you step to the bank, and then you put another foot in it, in those short moments, 
that river has changed, right? It's no longer the same river. There's different water. There's different particles, right? Children that were playing upstream have caused that river to change its composure, okay? (laughs) Right? It's a different river. And in the same way, ladies, right, You've had all, if you're married today, I assure you that you have had many husbands, okay? <laughs> Sorry to tell you. If you're, if you're a lady here today and you are married presently, I can just tell you that you've had many, 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 many husbands, right? Because guess what? People change, right? And in fact, if you're getting married, right, you will find that the fact that you are married changes both of you, Right? Just the fact of getting married changes you. So people are changing, rivers are changing, churches are changing, jobs are changing, our world is changing. And in the midst of that, God declares to Moses, he says, if you want to understand who I am, I am who I am. I am unchanging. My essence is not dependent on anything outside of myself. I am holy I'm holy who I am. Now, this is a big, hard question for the kids and for the adults. I want to ask you kids a question, all right? This is really, really hard. If you can answer this, I will command your parents to buy you a pony. Okay, but they don't have to listen to me because, you know, not allowed to bind the conscience. Okay, all right, but we do have prizes after service. All right, so... What was there, what came before the earth was made? Who knows? What was before the earth was made? Young lady. God, okay. Right? What was before the universe was made? Young man. God, that's right. Now, these kids are good, you know, kids that have been raised in Christian families in the church, but, you know, if you're here and you're, you're saying, I'm not sure what I think about this stuff, you do have a problem, Right? You do have a problem, scientists you know, who don't uh, believe as we do perhaps, and they say, you know, before the earth was created, there was this thing called the Big Bang. And this phenomenon occurred through which uh, dust aligned in such a way that we have planets and stars and, uni- and galaxies and all this. And you know, they're very uh, sophisticated ways of explaining how this happened. But there's one problem, Right? Well, what was before the material that fueled this Big Bang? How did, what was before that? Right? And no one can answer that. There is, no one can answer that because, you see, what God is doing here is he's saying, if you want to understand who I am, I am who I am. I am the only one who has existed for all eternity and who will exist from all eternity. He is the source of all things, right? Whether you are someone who believes that that worked its way out in the Big Bang or you believe uh, other ways it might have worked its way out, that's okay. But what was before those things? And God wants you to know, I am. I am the unchanging one. So kids, what I would like you to do is I would like you to draw uh, a picture of a bush that's on fire. So a really cool fire of a bush. Right? It's uh, interesting, there's a philosopher named Blaise Pascal, and after he died, I guess as they were, preparing, they were preparing his body for burial, they happened to find a note 
uh, that would sewn into the lining of his coat that he most often wore. The year was 1654, and this is what it says. Or, I'm sorry, he's describing the year 1654. He says this on this note. The year of grace, 1654, Monday, 23rd of November, from about half, half past 10 in the evening until about half past 12, fire. Just one line, capital letters, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and not of the philosophers or the savants. Certitude, certitude, feeling of joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. And see, what he's describing is he had an experience, right? Some of you have had this experience. Some of you will have this experience where he went from knowing about God intellectually to experiencing the fire, right? To his own experience, similar to what Moses said, with the fire. He had the date written down. And friends, I want to tell you, and kids, I want to tell you that uh, those of you who have these great answers, some of you are memorizing the catechism. That's wonderful, right? Good job. Great answers from all of the kids today. Lots of ponies will be on order, okay? But I will tell you that there has to come a time. This is important, kids, right? I want you to know this. There has to come a time where you go from knowing about God to experiencing the fire, to experiencing Him as the great I Am, the one who was before all things, the one who you can't quite understand all of the time. You need to have that experience, right? It's part of growing up, okay? Part of uh, all of us as Christians having our own fire experience. So that's the first thing we see is the name of God. God wants to be known. He wants his essence to be understood, and so he shares it with Moses, right? The second thing we see uh, is the patience of God, right? So now, I didn't put it in, the, in this reading. The reading was already long enough. But before this reading, I want to tell you guys what happens in case you're not remembering. Moses is minding his own business. He sees the bush on fire. He thinks it's very strange. So he goes up to the bush. And I wonder if anyone remembers what he does then, right? What happens then? Anyone remember what happens when Moses first goes up to the bush? Okay. Do you remember? That's right. Very good. The bush talks to him. And what does it say? Does anyone remember what it says in the bush? Yes. Oh, very good. It says, take off your shoes, for the ground on which you are standing is holy. Now, we have a hard time understanding this, right, in our day. But I want to try to break it down for you. You see, in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, God's holiness was absolutely frightening, Okay? So there's a famous story of these folks carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was part of God's holy things. And it was about to fall, and someone reached up and grabbed it to keep it from falling and instantly perished. Right? That when, in the Old Testament, when God's holiness is discussed, people get afraid. Right? And that's what actually is said. It says, don't come any closer Right? Don't come any closer because you might be injured, you might be harmed, you might lose your life if you come closer to this fire, but instead take off the shoes you're wearing because this ground is holy, because God's presence was there. Now, here's the, the brilliance of uh, Christian teaching. You see, 
if all we had was God's holiness, right, if that's all we had, if the book stopped there, if this story didn't exist, if it was just the burning bush that you couldn't come close to, that you had to be far away from, that would be awesome in its power, but it wouldn't be a whole lot of good news, right? Wouldn't really address the things that are weighing you down, that keep you up at night, that are increasing your blood pressure. Wouldn't address those things. But you see, in the pages of Holy Scripture, we have a God who is absolutely holy and yet incredibly patient, right? Absolutely holy and yet treats people that draw near to Him with a remarkable patience. One of the things that I like to do when I study passages, I like to look at words that are repeated a lot because in passages, when you see a word that's repeated a lot, oftentimes it's a clue to something that's really important. And you know what word is repeated a lot in this passage? You know what word is repeated a lot by the lips of Moses? But, <laughs> right? But God. And every time that this is said in the passage, what is Moses doing? He's effectively trying to correct God's understanding, okay? Moses is trying to correct God's understanding, but God. Now, kids, this should come as no surprise to you because I know all of you kids are very well experienced in this practice, right? Very well experienced. I, I experience it all the time, but Dad, <laughs> you know, child, I would like you not to cross Route 23 when cars are coming, but Dad, <laughs> you know, you're not understanding, <laughs> right? But God. Now, it's interesting because what Moses is doing here is God is asking Moses to do things that Moses believes are impossible for Moses to do, right? Go to Pharaoh, basically command the most powerful man on the earth to do something he doesn't want to do, right? And go also gather the support of the people of Israel so that they are with you, the elders will go with you, and they'll support you in this, Right? Do all these miracles, throw down your staff and let it become a snake, change the river into blood. And this mission is beyond what Moses is able to accomplish. And so what does he do? He does the same thing that you do, okay? If you're like, I feel so different than Moses, don't. He's ex you're exactly like him, okay? He says, God, you're confused, okay? God... God, I appreciate what you're saying. That's, you know, he does the compliment sandwich. I appreciate what you're saying, and you're very thoughtful to come to me. And it's very honoring that you would ask me to do these things, but maybe you're unaware that I lack the ability. Maybe you're unaware of this or that or the other thing. And Moses' objection after objection after objection until finally the crescendo as God is addressing every objection that he says, finally it reaches a climax where he's like, can you please send someone else? Right? After everything he says that. And then, I don't know if you notice this, it says in here in the scripture uh, that the anger of the Lord was kindled. And this is... Um, uh, verse 14 of chapter 4, Moses finally, after all these objections, after God is graciously addressing each one, he's like, please send someone else. And then it says, God became angry. Now, if you're a parent here today, you understand this all too well, right? You see, some of you guys have a lot more patience than I do. I've watched you with your children, and I can just tell you, I, I am in awe of how patient you are. I mean, I would have been 
I would have, my anger would have been kindled about five objections ago, okay? Right? Some people are really patient. Some of you are really patient, and I admire you for that, right? Admire how patient you are. I mean, I would have given up a while ago, but every single one of us, every single one of us has a limit, right? We all have a limit where finally, after some of you, it's, it's the second objection. Some of you, it's the you know, the 20th objection, doesn't matter, but at some point, you reach your limit, and you're like, that's it! No more! (laughs) That's it! No more! We're not talking about this anymore. I'm shutting it down. And it looks, in the passage, that God has finally reached his limit with Moses, doesn't it? Moses is objection after objection after objection after objection, and God is answering each one. Oh, you're concerned about this? Well, then I will give you this miracle. Oh, you don't know who, what to say to these folks? Well, say this to them, right? Or if they won't listen to this miracle, maybe they'll listen to the other two. God is every time accommodating, accommodating, accommodating. Finally, the anger of the Lord is kindled in verse 14. Moses just cuts to the chase, and he says, I don't want to do this. And then what happens next? What happens next, everyone? God accommodates him again, right? God shows himself to be remarkably patient. After all these objections, Moses is saying, I can't do it. I, I don't have the ability. And God is saying, now you do realize, you do, <laughs> we like to say this, circuits, you do realize that the one who made your mouth is speaking to you, right? The one who gives ability to speak is commanding you to do something. You, do, you are making that connection. Moses is saying, yeah, but it doesn't matter. What does God do? He accommodates him yet again. He says, why don't you call your brother, and he will be your voice, and you will be as God to him. And friends, I want to ask you to let that sink in for a minute. You see, what God is doing on the pages of Holy Scripture is actually the same thing that he's doing in our world and in your lives. He is attempting to show you his essence, and so closely tied to his essence is his patience. It's interesting, the Scripture will actually raise this point. You know, why is the world permitted to be so broken? Why are there such evil people allowed to exist and to perpetuate so many wrongs, right? The Scripture will, will raise this question, same question that you've raised. If you have suffered the wrong of someone else, if you've observed that in the world, whether, you know, on some grand scale such as terrorism or on more of a personal note such as betrayal or perhaps even abuse, Right? You might be saying, why is the world so broken, and why would God allow that? Huge pastoral question, right? The Bible actually has an answer, because part of God's essence is his patience. That God is more patient than you are. He's more patient than I am. He will deal with all evil, but he is patient. He wants no one to perish, and so he lets the world go on in this broken place so that as many sinners as possible can come close to him. He is a patient God. Kids, I want to invite you to draw a clock as God is waiting on Moses, just as he waits on us. Uh, He is patient. And friends, I want to make just another quick point of application before I wrap up, and that's this. If you are a Christian or you're considering becoming a Christian today, I want to give you a little piece of news that is essential for you to know, and that's this. If you're a Christian, God is going to ask you to do something that you believe is beyond your capability, okay? 
That is just who he is. He's going to ask you to do things that you have all sorts of objections to, right? That's been my experience. Darren, go plant this church. Go do it with no money, right? (laughs) Go do it with all these forces against you. And I'm saying, God, but, 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 go buy this building, right? You want to know how many times I objected to that one, (laughs) right? Like, God, you do realize that a million dollars and a loan for a young organization is beyond, yep, Darren, go, right? God will ask you to do things beyond your ability. That is who he is. That's what it means to be a follower of him. And as you object, as I know you do, just as I do, what he wants to reveal to you is that he's so patient. He's so far more patient than any of us can grasp or understand. And as we move towards this table, uh, what we're reminded of is when his patience would become more high definition than even in this encounter with Moses, right? You see, uh, there's one commentator that says to understand, Mo- to understand Exodus is to understand the priority of God to share who he is with the world. In fact, he'll say to Pharaoh, for this reason I've raised you up, that my name and my power would be made known through the whole earth, right? God wants to display his patience. He wants to display his mercy. He wants you to be absolutely overwhelmed by it. And the crescendo of that display would come when God himself would walk the earth, when he would live as completely righteous and completely holy, having never sinned, having never spoken a wrong word, having never taken something that wasn't him, having never had a lustful thought. He comes against people that want to mistreat him, and he lets them. He lets these people have his way with them. Jesus Christ says he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. When he comes to earth and people want to have their way with him, and he says, okay, I'm not going to object. I'm going to let you have your way with me. Right? What was happening in that is that the Lord God was placing on Jesus Christ the sins of Darren Pesnell. Right? The sins of Sam Andreas. Your sins if you're in Christ. And what God is doing is he's saying, you think I'm patient from Moses? You haven't even begun to appreciate how patient I am. Let me show you how I will rescue people even some who put my own son to death. And so the Apostle Paul, who devotes the better part of his life to killing Christians who would follow the man Jesus Christ, he becomes one of God's spokesmen, in his own words, as an example to all, as an example of God's patience. And as you come to this table, my hope and my desire, my prayer, is that these elements, as you take in the story of who God is, of who Jesus, what Jesus did, my hope is that you will begin to see something, that the the patience of God to you would become high definition. And because of that, maybe you can rethink some of the parts of who God is that you have written off because you don't like them. Maybe you could come to a deeper level of worship today. I know I long to. Kids, as we close, I want you to draw yourself with really big eyes looking at something that amazes you. And actually, I want to add to that, why don't you draw the cross? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we worship you. Lord Jesus, we adore you. And I thank you that you are not uh, a God that I would dream up. You're different than what I would imagine. You're different in what I would expect. 
Because you are God. You are the unchanging one. You are the fire. And I pray for each of us that we would meet the fire ourselves personally and that we would worship you. I thank you for your great patience that is always being shown to us. I pray that it would lead us to a deeper worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.